Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore tckpod and on Twitter at tck underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at tckpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. This is the Candlestick Kids Podcast, a.k.a. TCK Pod, episode 336. It's a Tuesday. I'm Nuts at Dweeznuts. All these no S's on Twitter. And you are listening to a Stat Rat episode here on the TCK. It is the last Stat Rat episode of the 2020 fantasy football season. I believe we're taking a little break. We'll regroup as a team over at the Candlestick Kids. And we will come back at you with bigger, better, more impactful stuff than ever before. We will be your content leader in 2021. I fucking promise you. But before we get there, we've got one last thing to do here on StatRat. Last week, I broke down how the rookie wide receivers did and which one of those guys you should be looking at for deep keeper leagues, dynasty moves, uh, all that sort of thing. I promised you that this week we would do the same thing for the running back. So that's what we're going to do. Okay, We're going to take a nice deep dive into several statistical categories to try to get a good, solid, big picture of what actually went on with the rookie running backs this year. And what we'll, we'll try to figure out what that information can do for us going into next year. Again, whether it's a keeper league or whether it's a dynasty league, what moves you should be trying to make uh, before even the rookie draft, okay? Everybody gets all excited about the fucking rookie draft when it comes in your dynasty leagues, and, and they oftentimes forget about the second, even third-year players that really have solid opportunities, and, and this was another really good rookie class at the running back position. A lot of really exciting, really hopeful kind of things happened here. So let's do this. We're going to look at several statistical categories. I will give you my conclusions at the end. You can draw your own conclusions from these numbers. Get your pen and paper ready. We're about to dig deep on this Stat Rat episode. Before we do any of that, I got to give a shout out one last time to my boy Sky Guasco. Runs the Candlestick Kids for us. You can find him on Twitter at TCK underscore pod or on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod. Appreciate you, Sky, giving me a chance here on the TCK channel. Bunch of great dudes doing great things. Like I said, it's going to be even better next year. TCKpod.com if you want to see what we've been up to. All right, here we go. Rookie running backs, y'all. I mean, it's a little more obvious at the running back position than the wide receiver position. So I may not be telling you a whole lot of things you don't know, but I want to package it in a slightly different way. Okay, so let's start with touches. Okay, for the first group of stat categories we're looking at are opportunity statistic, because at, at any position in fantasy football, opportunity is king. If you don't have opportunity, 
Nothing else is going to fall into place. So let's look at just the last half of the year. Okay, we know at the running back position, sometimes outside of a couple of guys, it takes a while for rookie running backs to really take over their backfield if they're going to do it. For them to learn things like pass protection, uh, the language of the offense, to get up to speed with what's going on at the hole, at the line of scrimmage. So let's just look at the second half of the season. And we're going to look at the total touch numbers. Then we'll look at the per touch numbers to kind of get an idea because some guys missed some time here and there. Okay, here we go. Break them down. Top nine. James Robinson had the most touches in the back half of the year of all these guys. 155 touches. 22 per game. That was third best among all running backs, though. You know that already. This guy has been a touch monster. Our boy JTT, Jonathan Taylor, comes in second here at 119. That's 17 touches per game over this time, finally taking over that backfield. Cam Akers is actually number three here to talk about finally taking over a backfield. 94 total touches, 16 per game over the last half of the season. And a couple of games there in the beginning of this group of games were a little light for him. So the volume looked to be there for Cam Makers here at the end, J.K. Dobbins, 87 touches over the last half of the season, but only 12 of those per game. There's other guys there that like to take the rushing work. Antonio Gibson missed a couple of games with injury, but his 83 touches puts him at number five over the last half of the year. 17 per game, though, ties him with Jonathan Taylor. DeAndre Swift, 81 touches over that time, 16 in each of the games he played. Then how about Salvin Achman, who's been a nice surprise this year when he's gotten his chance as Miles Gaskin keeps getting hurt. He's got 77 touches over the last eight games in the season, or I guess seven games in the season at this point, 15 per game. A lot of those without Miles Gaskin in there. CEH comes in next at 71 touches per game. Several weeks ago, I told you why this was a problem. Got a little bit better since then, but not a, not a whole bunch. 14 per game in that time. And Zach Moss rounds out this group, 60 touches over that time, 10 per game. Also, Missed some time, but he's done some promising things. Now, since we are a largely PPR world these days, let's just look specifically at targets in the passing game. Those can be more valuable for you in a PPR format, both because you get the point for the reception or the half a point for the reception, but also because receptions tend to yield more yards for running backs than carries on average over the course of a season. So who's catching passes? Who's getting targeted? Again, James Robinson right at the top of the list in that stretch of games. 28 targets in the last half of the season. Four per game, which is a decent number for a back, especially a back like Robinson that doesn't seem like a pass catcher. How about DeAndre Swift? 25 over his time, but he played less games. So his five targets a game, that's about what people expected, I think, from DeAndre Swift going in. So nice to see him finally getting his. Maybe after Patricia got fired, things got better for him. Antonio Gibson, number three here with 20 targets over the time. Again, missed some time, so he's at four targets per game. He played wide receiver. He probably should have eight targets per game, but J.D. McKissick also played wide receiver, and he's the one getting a bunch of them. But uh, still a decent number for him at four per game. Jonathan Taylor at 19 overall. That's three per game in CEH, 17 targets in the last half, three and a half per game, not a ton. Everybody else was under the three mark, which is, to me, relatively irrelevant, so we're not even going to talk about it. The last... Uh, I'm gonna, this is sort of a two-parter here. The last opportunity statistic I'm gonna give you is, uh, goal line opportunities. Okay. I wanna talk to you about carries, rushing carries inside the five yard line. These are goal lines. It's over the course of the entire year. The other thing I wanna tell you is the success rate. So on what percentage of those goal line carries did this running back score a touchdown? 
Okay, because they can get the ball all fucking day, but if they can't punch it in, those inside the five carries are totally worthless because you can't even have the yards to go on top of uh, your 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 production there. JTT comes in first year, 11 total goal line carries on the year, and he's at a 45% success rate. I'll tell you that anything over 40% is good in the NFL. If you can sustain 40% over a few years, that's really good. So Jonathan Taylor's 45%, 45% of his 11 goal line carries resulted in touchdown. That's a nice number. Next up on this list is CEH. Nine goal line carries, 11% success rate. One touchdown out of those nine carries. That's garbage. That's really bad. If you studied the tape, you knew this was a problem for CEH coming in, and it absolutely was a problem for him this year. Watch Watch the Chiefs do something about that. Now, he did add one touchdown off of three targets inside the 10-yard line in the passing game, but that's not a lot. Gibson also had nine. KCEH and Antonio Gibson, both nine carries. Gibson, however, 56% success rate on those carries, five touchdowns. Much better, much, much better. Swift, DeAndre Swift, eight carries on the goal line or inside the five, 63% touchdown rate. Nice number, five out of eight there. Also, Scored one on a, a out of three targets inside the 10 as well. So that adds to his numbers just a little bit. J.K. Dobbins, seven goal line carries on this season. You knew J.K. Dobbins was going to be good at this. 86% success rate. Six out of those went into the end zone. We knew if you watched the tape, he'd be great at the goal line. And he really fucking was. If we can only get rid of Lamar Jackson's rushes and Gus Edwards' goal line touchdown hawking skill set, that'd be great. Cam Akers had six goal line carries. Not much better than CEH, a 6% success rate, one touchdown on those six. Not good. This one will blow your mind, guys. James Robinson only had five goal line carries, in large part because his team couldn't get there. But he scored on all five of them. He scored five touchdowns out of five carries inside the five-yard line. That is insane. And that's why this kid's net going anywhere for a long time. Add a touchdown in the air on three targets from inside the 10-yard line. Uh, six total touchdowns inside the 10 for this guy. 100% from the goal line. That's insane. Joshua Kelly and Salvin Ahmed both also had five carries inside the 5-yard line. 20% success rate for Kelly and Ahmed scored twice for a 40% success rate there. So you want you want a lot of touches. You want a lot of targets in our PPR world. You want a lot of red zone work, goal line work as a running back, but not you don't just want a lot like CEH. You want to score on a lot of them, and he just did not. Now let's look at some production stats, efficiency stats. Okay, they're getting the ball, but what are they doing with that ball? I'm going to look at some maybe less lesser known stats because these are the ones that I like to use to inform some of my decisions. Obviously, you have to pair this stuff with the type of team you're looking at, the offensive line, the quarterback production, all these things, the whole storyline in order to get a really good picture of what was probably going on here. But the first one is uh, broken tackles. It's not the total number of broken tackles, but it's the number of broken tackles, or it's the number of carries per broken tackle. So this guy broke a tackle on one of however many carries. So let's just start here. Antonio Gibson is at the top of the list. He broke one tackle on every 9.4 carries, okay? So anything better than 15 is good. Less than 15 is good. Outside of 15, not so good. Antonio Gibson's 9.4. I believe you put him number four overall in the league. CEH came in second here. 
One broken tackle on every 12.1 carries. Still pretty good. Those are the only two guys with less than 15 in this category out of all the rookies. Now, James Robinson landed right at 15. One broken tackle for every 15 carries. And Joshua Kelly actually hit a 15.9. One broken tackle on just about every 16 carries. Everybody else was not very good here. And we tend to see this with rookies a lot of the times. They just don't break a ton of tackles especially if they're on bad teams. And those guys we just listed to you, well, Antonio Gibson's team's not a very good offense. James Robinson's not on a very good offense. And Joshua Kelly and uh, CEH, their offenses are just fine. Next up, let's go yards per carry here. But then I'm also going to tell you the um, rushing yards over expected per carry, okay? So first of all, I'll tell you the, yard, the YPC, the yards per carry, because we should know that. But next gen takes... Everything about this team and everything about a team's situation, including the line, including the defenders they're playing against, the defensive sets they're playing against, the teams they're playing against, uh, and they they have a fancy formula that tells you how much this guy should get per carry, and then they can simply subtract that to say this guy's either doing better than expected based on our algorithm or worse than expected based on our algorithm. So I'll give you the yards per carry, then I'll give you the rushing yards over expected per carry as well. So J.K. Dobbins, obviously first here, 5.3 rush yards per carry. When you think about how many of his carries were inside the five-yard line or in the red zone close, that's a really impressive number. And it gets more impressive when I tell you that he went 0.89 yards per carry more than expected. So it, it only three guys had over one in the league this year. So 0.89 is insane. It was top five in the league. Antonio Gibson comes in second here, 4.8 yards per carry, and he had a .44 yards per carry more over uh, his expected rush yards. So both a nice number overall and that more than expected .44 is really good. Zero means he did what he was expected. Anything above that is better, and .44 is actually second best on this list. Cam Akers had a 4.8 yards per carry, but it only only a positive 0.19 yards per carry over expected. Uh, so not nearly as good as those top two guys. DeAndre Swift with a 4.6 overall and a 0.22 over expected. Jonathan Taylor is actually, uh, his 4.5 yards per carry are good, but he was third best. He was third best in this category uh, with a 0.33 yards over expected per carry. So he's, you know, it's Dobbins, it's Gibson. Uh, it's JTT sort of setting themselves apart. James Robinson's 4.5 yards a carry was good. Only 0.18 yards more per carry than expected. So, you know, he's not, he's not doing all that much on his own. The, the line was good enough to get him just about what he got. Uh, CEH had a 4.4 yards per carry, which sounds great, but guys, he was, uh, negative 0.29 yards over expected. So he, he went less yards than he should have on every play by 0.3, by a third of a yard. That's, that doesn't sound that bad, but it's really bad considering J.K. Dobbins was at 0.89 yards more than expected. This guy's at 0.3 yards less than expected. Then Zach Moss's 4.3 per carry was fine. 0.03 less than expected. So he pretty much got what was expected of him to get on each play. Okay, now let's look at this last one here. Um, you know, I like when when running backs get first downs, it makes it easier for coaches to call plays to them, right? Makes it easier for running or quarterbacks to audible out and hand the ball off to these guys. So what I looked at was what percentage of this guy's carries 
went for first downs. When you get first downs, it makes it easier for your team to give you the ball. And we want you to get the ball as fantasy owners. So what percentage of carries went for first downs by each of these rookie running backs? First, I'll give you a frame of reference. Anything less than 24% of a running back's carries going for a first down, that's bad. Less than 24% is bad. Over 25 is good. Over 28% is great. And there's a small handful of guys that can go over 30% of their carries for a first down. That's fantastic. That's top five, okay? So we're looking for better than 25 for good, better than 28% for great, and better than 30% for fantastic. JTT Jonathan Taylor at the top of this says 29.2% of his carries went for first downs. Almost fantastic. Almost top five numbers. J.K. Dobbins, 28.2% of his went for first downs. Again, considering how many of his carries um, came where a first down wasn't possible, I like this number a lot. It qualifies as great over 28. DeAndre Swift, 27.5% of his carries go for first downs. Almost great. Definitely good. Those are Those are the only three guys that are above 25%. Everybody else falls below 25% of their carries going for first downs. We got Zach Moss at 24.7, Salvin Ahmed 24.6, Antonio Gibson's at the 24.5. So those guys are just shy of the 25 mark. James Robinson only a 22 and a half. That team doesn't have a lot of first downs at all. But uh, that's bad. That's well under the 24 mark that says bad. 21.5% of CEH's carries went for first downs. For Cam Akers, that number's 19.4, and for Josh Kelly, 18, which is absolutely pitiful for those last three guys. If you can't get first downs, it's harder for your team to give you the ball. So that number is really important for me because when coaches get to game planning for what they're going to do next season, these are the types of numbers that they look at to decide, do we want to be run heavy? Do we want to use this guy in this type of situation? What do we want to do in these situations? They're drawing up these play cards with huge sections that say, we need a first down. And if you're getting a first down on only 18% of your carries, your, your number is not on that section of the play card. That's a problem. All right, those are the stat categories I want to do. Here are some of the conclusions that I drew from this, okay? I just did a little quick number analysis on this. Um, and the, the best overall rookie, if you look at both opportunity stats that we looked at and the production and efficiency stats we looked at, if you combine those, Antonio Gibson comes out on top. If you take into consideration that he has bad quarterback play this year and he has a limited experience as a running back still trying to learn the position. I think the sky's the limit for this guy. Now, my first recommendation is to go trade whatever you need to trade in order to get Antonio Gibson onto your team. You know, he missed some time here late, so that might drive his price down when guys like JTT, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins came on at the end of the year. DeAndre Swift came on at the end of the year. Those guys are going to have a higher perceived value than somebody like Antonio Gibson. Take advantage and put him on your team. I would absolutely trade Taylor Dobbins Swift straight up for Antonio Gibson. Now, JTT and J.K. Dobbins were were real close to Gibson in that overall mark. Um, And the tier kind of breaks after Swift and Robinson. So we know that those are sort of the five guys anyway. uh, And and the overall numbers kind of held that up. 
Now, if we just look at the opportunity stats, that first group of stats that we looked at, it's James Robinson that wins this, and that's not a surprise. He's not going anywhere. Trevor Lawrence comes to town in Jacksonville next year. You know, he may have a few less carries, but watch those efficiency numbers go up. I think James Robinson is going to be a volume back for the next now, two or three years until he can't handle it anymore. The tier break here is, you know, Jonathan Taylor, Antonio Gibson, and DeAndre Swift all kind of fall into that first tier as well for me. Um, so yes, the big names. Dobbins falling off there because he's just, he just doesn't have the numbers, right? He just doesn't have the volume. And we know that's a thing. CEH doesn't have the volume. Cam Akers doesn't have the volume yet. So opportunity wise, those four guys kind of stand them stand out, set themselves apart. And if we just look at the last group of stat categories, we looked at the production, the efficiency. Dobbins wins that category. He's been the most productive or efficient with the time he's got. So limited work, but he's absolutely producing. I mean, an 86% touchdown rate on the goal line is going to help you do that for sure. Antonio Gibson follows really closely behind. And then that tier probably breaks after Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Maybe James Robinson is right on the cusp there, but uh, but those guys certainly set themselves apart. You notice Gibson was on each one of these lists, okay? Jonathan Taylor right there, DeAndre Swift right there for sure on each one of those lists. But to me, it's Gibson all day long. Go get him. Go put him on your team. Trade away your first-round rookie draft pick to get one of these dudes because they're setting themselves up really nicely to have big years. And we know what rookie draft picks are valued like in a lot of these dynasty leagues. All right, that's it for me. That is it for TCK Pod episode 336. No more stat rat episodes for the 2020 season. I hope you all have a great new year. Great new year. I hope you win your fantasy championships. I hope you did win, I suppose. By the time you're listening to this, you know I've got a Monday night game coming, so I don't know if I've won yet. Find me at Dewey's Nuts, all Z's, no S's if you miss my voice over the next few weeks while we prepare for the 2021 offseason. Otherwise, you can find us back here when we're ready. TCKpod.com. Hit us up. I'm out of here. Talk to you later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.